Nana Bansu. I enjoy so much talking about small business, the backbone of the economy, certainly the American economy, 99% of all businesses in the United States are small businesses worldwide. It's somewhere close to that. And uh, Nana is uh, born in New York, raised in Ghana, in Maryland now over 30 years. He does coaching. He helps businesses generally under 10 million or less. Uh, you know, get to the next level with accountability, with coaching. It's so it's very hard. It's very hard for uh, small businesses, entrepreneurs. A lot of times they they don't. You know, they have they're very good at their particular skill, their service, their product, but they may not be good in sales and marketing and other areas. We have a great conversation about you know the strengths and weaknesses there, and what to do and what to look for. Uh, we talk about some of the great books, you know, to look at, to read. I, I enjoy so much talking about small businesses. I, I'm in the tech industry as many, uh, if many of you know, and uh, small businesses, my heart bleeds for the small businesses. I want to do whatever I can to help uh, get them all the help they need in, in any particular area. Uh, Nana can, excuse me, Nana can definitely do that. His take on discipline, very, very fascinating. I never heard it before. Uh, I'll just say one word, rituals. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change, discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Nana Bansu, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Uh, why, why are small businesses the backbone of the economy? Well, I mean, a uh, couple of things. Number one is, well, besides the fact that there's more of them. <laughs> yes. Right? Uh, there's more of them. And the other thing is, it, it also because it's, there's a lot more freedom, right? They're not, there's not as, you know, the, the structures are not there. They're able to make decisions faster. So innovations goes on faster, change happens faster, right? And therefore, with change comes progress for the most part, right? So, they, you know, small businesses are able to innovate, deliver change faster. And also by so doing, they're able to then, as they grow, they have more and more opportunity to guess what? Employ more people. And then they, by, by so doing, they then improve families, they improve communities. So that's what makes the small business the backbone of the, the country and society, actually. Yeah, in, in, in all society. I, I, I mean, there's 99.9.8% of all businesses, certainly here in the U.S., are small businesses. Yeah, that was, that's a crazy statistic, isn't it? <laughs> Because all you hear in the media, all these big companies, and then you see the statistics and you're like, that can't be right. <laughs> yeah, the Fortune 500 is only 500 companies. Right, right. And there's you know, thousands, tens of thousands of you know, other businesses. Yeah, it, it's just incredible how the Fortune 500 can consume all the oxygen in the media, in the mass media, and, uh, and yet they form a tiny percentage of, uh, of the body of business out there. So. Yeah, it's very true. And uh, how did you get your start in small business? So, um, I mean, it's not like I come from an you know an entrepreneurial family like uh, like other people, uh, you know, right? But I, I just have an entrepreneurial nature, right? All the personality tests that I've done just that just comes back. So, 
I just, um, you know, really what had me really start looking into it is the, the main trigger, you know, because I've, I've been kind of you know, started businesses and I've gone back to you know, corporate world because the whole business development it kind of takes time. Uh, so you learn, you know, you learn from your failures. So like, okay, let me go back and kind of recharge and come back. Um, but, I, you know, like the, you know, the internet bubble, uh, I lost a lot of money. And I lost a lot of money with financial companies that were supposed to be looking out for me. And I was like, well, I could have lost this, you know, that much money, uh, you know, doing it by myself, right? These are professionals that are supposed to be, they were supposed to be looking out for, for my portfolio and they lost me almost all my money. So wow. I started looking into like stock options trading and stuff like that. As you know, as I like the, the so I was just trying to look at different business models. It's like, okay, what business is it that I can do where you don't have to worry about inventory or having to manage people a lot and those kind of things? The stocks options trading kind of, you know, came came to the mess. But then that also kind of, you know, was, I just realized that it was kind of, quote, unquote, a suckers kind of game because you, you're competing against Wall Street and people that have hmm. uh, higher powered, you know, supercomputers. And some of them are sitting right next to the Wall Street, you know, <laughs> terminals, hmm. right? So they're always front loading you, right? So the best you can hope is, you know, um, go neutral, right? Not lose money. I was like, well, that's, that's not the kind of business I want, I want to be in. But what really, as I also saw from the other side, was in the corporate world, I had the opportunity to work in um, two different companies that um, grew by acquisitions. A big part of the uh, growth strategy was, was through acquisitions. And a lot of times, you know, if you have aggressive growth, um, there's only so much you can do organically. So a lot of times you may say, okay, we're going to go 10% organically and then maybe 15% you know, from our side. But you just, you just see that, you know, um, and I saw it, you know, but, you know, when it came time to integrate, you know, whether it's cultural, whether it's technology or what, what all these all these processes, operations, that just seems like you always got a sense that they acquired, you know, got taken, I would say maybe take advantage of, but they just were at a disadvantage. Hmm. Um, so, um, so I just decided that, okay, I could make a bigger impact, um, you know, by using the knowledge that I've learned. Uh, and also, uh, you know, just I was looking around. How can I? How can I help? I was just, I, I was just, because I mean, I've I've been in a corporate world. I've I've done some things there, but I felt like there was a bigger calling, right? And I've just felt like, you know, if you have ninety nine percent of the of society's you know, impact is coming, of businesses are impacting society, and you know, the business at disadvantage when it comes to mergers and acquisitions. And then also, you know, and then I also read that in you know, a lot of business owners, like 75% of them, um, they either leave money on the table or they're not happy a year after they exit, right? Mm. And then you you merge that with, um, you know, a lot of baby boomers because the baby boomer generation in general, I'm a generation X, so I'm, I fall just right outside of it, okay. right? Um, they like they were the biggest entrepreneurial generation, and a lot of them either, they either retiring or they are coming close to retiring, and you know, a lot of times they're not ready. Uh, they, I mean, they may think, okay, I'm ready to retire, but your business might not be ready. So all of that just kind of you know come together. It's like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to kind of step in there and and be able to help offer, offer my help. So that's that was the genesis of how I got into this space. You mentioned that uh, the financial people let you down during the. Um during the internet bubble, there, Warren Buffett has a famous quote about economists, and he says how he's never met a successful economist. Um, you know, so they're, I mean, they're, they're good at what they do. They're academic, but, you know, listen to your gut, listen, you know, stay, keep it simple, um, you know, follow some basic principles. But what's interesting about you, Nana, is that you, you grew up in Ghana. You came to the States. You're a big soccer fan, which we're going to get to. It's my passion as well. And uh, you spent 25 years in Maryland. Now you're in the Northeast in New York. But that's quite a road to, to get where you are, to have all these, you know, you mentioned those, those personality tests, your entrepreneurial and just in your personality. Where do you think that came from? By the way, I'm still in Maryland. Uh, so, oh, you're still in uh, Maryland. Yeah. Ah. Um, where did what come from? Your entrepreneurial sense, your parents, your friends, yeah. your yeah. I mean, my 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 mom, my mom was you know, my mom is was into business, you know, still into business, uh -huh. um, you know, not formally educated in business, but that's just what you know she just kind of you know kind of did. 
And I, you know, and then uh, of course I also, you know, went to business school. Um, that's not this, you know, to say that that's where you get your sense of business from, but it was just, there's some of it just, there's just this whole desire of, of, and also this whole thing about um, freedom. And I, and I've, I've come to have a different kind of perspective on how this whole freedom, because I think my notion of freedom when it comes to entrepreneurship is actually a bit warped. I just don't think, you know, really? that freedom is the, because, I mean, when I say freedom, I'm not talking about freedom as in freedom from responsibility, but it was just, it was just uh, for some, for some people, it's something like in a lot of it, a lot of times you come to realize to say it's an innate personality thing, right? You want to be able to create, right? And a lot of times you need um, an unstructured and not necessarily an unstructured environment, but you need an environment where um, there is less friction to, you know, make change happen, Right. Um, so you still need structures. I mean, you know, that's and as more for that's one of the things that I help small business do. How can we, you know, help build structures in place to help free you up? Because you know, if you want to be able to free free up your time, you need some structure. You need some, you know, standard operating procedures and you know, things of that sort. Some kind of, you know, some systems and delegation you know, processes and whatnot in place. Um, but it's just this whole idea of okay, uh, freedom, impact, uh, significance. Um, you know, impact on society, making a difference, um, and that kind of thing. So hmm. that is that to me is basically where that you know kind of kind of, and I just genuinely um, love to be able to help uh, people in different ways, right? So uh, whether it's through, um, so I have this whole you know weird combination of like to work with people at the same time. I, I'm like, you know, entrepreneur, uh, um, introvert, extrovert, kind of right in the middle. I spend, sure. you know, so, so I, I just do so thing. That's why like, you know, I've done some volunteership or like whether it's mentoring or, or whether it's working in Habitat for Humanity projects or whether it's, um, whether it's working on some pro bono project to help, uh, you know, revitalize the website of a, of a, of a nonprofit art, you know, you know, company. I just, I just happen to just, just love that, you know, just love to see how can I help, you know, people that are really making an impact on society. And if mm. I can play a small part in that, then maybe I would have, so it's almost religious, actually. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I remember when I started my, my business in the 90s, I'm in the IT field. I know you work with a lot of uh, technology companies. But I remember some of my friends saying, you know, it must be nice not having a boss. You know, you're talking about freedom. And I said, you know, I continue to say I have more bosses now than I've ever had. Every one of my clients is my boss. I didn't, yeah. don't, please don't think that starting your business means you'll never have a boss again. That's the, com that's the complete opposite. So the idea of kind of freedom – that's what I think of when you said it. You kind of you said you have a warped kind of view of it, but freedom means different things to different people when it comes to business owning. Yeah, exactly, and and that to me is, uh, and that to me is sometimes the the um, stone cold reality that sometimes you know you kind of you face. You realize, oh, you you know you're on somebody's time, right? And oh, by the way, if if you don't, uh, and a lot of times, yeah, you may not have a boss, but you need somebody to hold you accountable. Yeah. Right? Uh, because if you don't, then things can kind of, you know, fall apart or, you know, you may be growing, but it's just kind of like the duck, you know, the, the feet under the water is just kind of, you know, paddling kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, so so the, the, the word freedom is just, I just don't think, I think it's about uh, if it provides you the opportunity for you to be able to work on your own individual vision, because sometimes right. in different um Whereas the corporate world or in a bigger kind of organization, sometimes your vision could be because some people have stronger health convictions where they feel they need to act on it, you know, uh, to deliver for society. But that they may not be in a place where they can do that. They have the opportunity to be able to do that. Therefore, they need to kind of step out and, and, and do it. Now, that is that to me is divine. But the only thing is that it doesn't, you know, but if your idea is to um, step out to become an entrepreneur or to become a business owner to be, you know, to achieve freedom. Yeah, that's what you just said. No, that's that's uh, that's not it. And but I think it's been marketed that way. And unfortunately, that's that's um, <laughs> that's the downside sometimes of, of marketing. Sometimes, right? It's been kind of sold that way, and then you realize, oh my God, you're working harder than you've ever worked, and you're probably not being compensated, you know, you know, um, commensurately. So. 
it's uh it's 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 kind of a tough it's kind of a tough realization i mean it's exhilarating if you're doing something that you love to do something that you feel like you've been called to do right then that that becomes its own reward it doesn't mean that you know there's kind of you know freedom that you can make you can make the freedom happen if you have certain structures in place right and you're following certain certain principles and certain patterns but you know first you got to come to the realization that the, that freedom thing is just not not there uh, it's uh, it's there's still a lot of responsibility. Yeah, when people talk to me today about starting a business, I just I just impress upon them about the need of a business plan and do you you know how long can you go without a paycheck? You know, yeah. all too often I just hear, well, you know, I do this and I know I could sell it for that and I know I could sell this and I could sell that. I said, do you have clients set up? I mean, I don't want to discourage you, but you know. What is it? Fifty percent, Nana, of businesses fail within the first six months. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty high, and then like about it's not seventy percent within the first five years. So, wow. it's the track record is pretty dire. Yeah, you know, get get vision straight. I remember one of the big things that separated really helped my company, and I I didn't learn about it till about six or seven years in was joining a peer group. Yes. You know, that way I'm, you mentioned accountability before. As an entrepreneur, we just feel sometimes we're all alone on the island. Nobody's going to understand our problems. I can't talk to anybody about it. I can't talk to the employees, can't talk to the banks, I can't talk to the vendors, customers. And just joining a, a peer group, just, wow, you're having these problems too. It was just such a eye-opening experience to just turn my business around. I'm sure you recommend that for your clients. Yes, yes, absolutely. So if they see the peer groups, or, uh, or having like a coach or a man, you know, um, having a coach or being in a mastermind, uh, that's, uh, that's absolutely crucial. And it just so happens to be also one of the uh, principles of Think and Grow Rich, uh, mm. which is that the world famous thing that almost every entrepreneur or business owner, you know, reads or is uh, recommended to read. Yeah, one of the big books I remember it was the E Myth, right? Just yeah, uh, yeah that yeah. was a huge one as well. Uh, yeah. Where he described starting a business as like brain damage. What does he say? Something like that. Uh, you go through a I forget what he says. Yeah, I can't I can't remember exactly what, but I do know that he does say <laughs> that it's a reflection yeah. on you, the owner. Right. Right. Uh, right. Because you know everything else that's going on. If there's an issue, you got to you know, look in the mirror. Because a lot of times it's the way you are you you set up that business, um, you know, it's the structures, it's the strategy. It's because a lot of times you're wearing multiple hats without realizing that you're wearing multiple hats, mm. right? And so you have to um, you have to have the structure in place, or you have to have like a, the um, the org chart, for instance, in place, yeah. and the roles, you know, in place. And then just put your name in each of the roles that you're playing so that you know that, hey, you, you're playing 17 different roles. And that's why you're going crazy all the time, <laughs> right? Uh, or you feel like there's never enough time. But once you put that, you know, once you, you make that evident, then you know, you, know, you know what to do about it. You know, hey, okay, this can't go on. The reason why I'm stressed, I'm having this issue is because I'm doing more than, you know, any human being, you know, should be able to do. Mm -hmm. And you realize that just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean you should because it, it just doesn't scale, right? Um, and so that, that's that's one of the main things, you know, that comes into play, which is that, hey, a lot of times it has to do with you. It, you know, don't look anywhere else and as the, as the business owner. And we see that a lot. I see that a lot in small business too where also the reverse is where, you, I, you talked once about micromanaging and you made a really good point. If every decision goes through you, you're micromanaging. And we see a lot of times the entrepreneur is the actual reason why they're not growing and why they're not excelling. Delegation, they don't know how to, to do this kind of thing. They're very good at their art or their engineering, whatever they're, whatever they're servicing or producing, but we see them actually being a hindrance to growth. Yes, and a lot of times you need – they, they need to allow themselves to be open to feedback from somebody mm. like what is a coach, a mentor, like a peer group, expose themselves to people who are in a position to be able to point out to them why that is. Because a lot of times we all have our blind spots. And a lot of times, um, so 
it comes back to why they went into the business. You know, we, we circle back to you know, the whole freedom. Thing. Some people go into business because they think freedom. Some people go into it because they are so good at that one thing that they feel like they can, you know, make it, you know, live in this, their own business, you know, you know, just focused on that. The challenges, number one, is the, the one you just mentioned, which is being a technician and, you know, which is different from being a business owner. Right. Right. Then the other thing is, is the fact that you want things done specifically your way. And a lot of times, nobody's really going to be able to, you know, nobody's wired the way you're wired to be able to completely right. do it the way you do it 100% of the time. And the third thing is, hey, you've been, you may be in the, been in the industry for a long time. Uh, you know more about your product and your service because, yes, of course, you conceptualize it and, you know, and, and made a business out of it. Um, but, you know, but, you know, but it doesn't scale, right? So the question is, how much are you willing to give up on the margins? Um, to let you know other people kind of do it, may not maybe you would have done it differently, but you, you know you need to be content with that because you also have to then be able to take a step back and look at multiple things, right? And then and then just be willing for things to be progressively improved, you know. So other people may catch up to the way uh, you're doing it even better. It may take time, but just be willing to allow for that growth. So a lot of time, that's basically. Uh, well, those are the 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 uh, the, the, uh, the quote unquote innocent things. But the other thing then becomes like you know, if you're a control freak, where because you know then sometimes you know either consciously or unconsciously you may be hiding behind the fact that nobody can do it the way you do it. That may not necessarily be true, or you know, in all cases, um, and and so this is where well, if nobody can do it the way you do it, then how can we change that, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, what are some of the things that we could do to make other people do it either the way you do it or do it even better? But the other thing is sometimes you have a you know there's a could be a personality you know thing where some somebody some people just uh, feel they need a sense of control. They need to be able to control things. If things are not being done under their control, then they feel like things are out of their control, and they may also feel like you know, their purpose and their sense of where and worth it may be tied to uh, everything running through them. Mm. Right. So sometimes you need to kind of resolve that. Mm. Right. Uh, that sense of worth being tied to uh, being being needed, being counted upon. Um, wow. Until you can kind of break that, then that also becomes a, a bottleneck for the growth of the company or the business. I remember one one of my peers, it got, got down to the point now where he would he would order the pizza. Uh, you know, order the paper towels for the bathroom. And we're like, look, somebody else can do that. You know, you know, it's the, like you say, sometimes they have this kind of sense of worth where everything's got to go through them, but it's just, it's going to, it's going to stop them. And they're not going to be able to take a week off to go away on, you know, on vacation. And uh, delegation can be a hard thing for many, kind of the 80, 20 rule. If somebody can do it within 80, what well, 80% of what you can do, then let it go. Yeah. I've hear these kind of rules. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, sometimes like for the example you just gave, cause I, I always try to give, you know, cause human beings can be complex. So sometimes you can't always kind of generalize cause some, somebody like an owner ordering like pizza and the, and the paper towels, <laughs> is this they, are they doing this because they want to the, that sense of humility that you know me as the owner I'm willing to do everything you know if I uh. want to mom I'm just leading by a kind of an example right but then that may not be a good example because I mean because again time you know the time is money it's your time better served because you're not serving your people well if if you're right. in the weeds doing that stuff whereas chances are it's opportunity cost right what else is not getting done because you're spending your time doing the, the paper towel ordering or, or the pizza ordering or something like that. Now, if there's, no, there's nobody around and, and you know, everybody needs to kind of, you know, pinch it and, and get things going, yeah, that's 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 fine. But the idea that, you know, you know you, you can't uh, allow other people to do some things, just, you know, you just slow your own growth and your own business. And this is where having um, having external conversations mm. kind of you know, comes into play and helps, helps you kind of think, through, okay, why am I doing this? And it can be something can be kind of a scary conversation because you come in face to face with yourself, right? Mm. And that's not a, that's not necessarily a, an easy thing to do. So, you know, having that safe space, you know, and whether it's a confidential peer group environment or with a with a trusted coach or trusted advisor, you know, that you know, kind of helps because you know, it, it can be a, it can be a very tough kind of thing. 
Yeah, and then and then we kind of have the opposite sometimes where you have an employee who can, you know, start to be a cancer in the organization where he or she may say, well, the CEO, he can't even do what I do, you know, and then you have this kind of opposite thing where, of course, the CEO, uh, the entrepreneur, the owner can't do it because they're doing their job there. And, you know, training owners on how to deal with, you know, Bad employees is another, you know, they're doing good. Some of the clients like them. What is the thing? Fire, fire quick, hire slow, you know, and uh, again, another skill. It's hard to teach. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to teach. But this is where, um, this is where, you know, uh, owners, a lot of times, that's why investing in a, you know, whether it's an advisor or peer group or, or whatnot, it's uh, just being in that environment, right? Where you see how other people are dealing with similar things, right. kind of helps, right? Uh, because you know some people are lucky to be able to kind of either you know be born with it or or they learn early from their parents, you know, you know, it's that kind of thing. But if you are not fortunate enough to have uh, your parents or some kind of role model who helped you with that, that can be a very tough kind of you know skill to uh, to have. And a lot of times. It's not just the skill. It's also kind of like the personality, the behavior. Mm. That's not easy to do. That's that's a pretty tough thing because you know you're wired a certain way. You can't just kind of switch onto something like the next day. That's like schizophrenic, right? So you, you have to like make that conscious decision and understand why the change is needed. What are the, the benefit? What is it causing by you not doing it a certain way? Once that's understood, then you know you can basically um, say, okay, uh, I need some help. And so having the humility to be able to say, mm. look, I need some help and getting the help, then you can start making progress. And so does you know, the company and everybody else. Yeah, I don't want this conversation to discourage those listening not to go into entrepreneurial, into business, but just be aware that these issues are there and, you know, you've got to take it seriously and you've got to be well-versed, you've got to read and you've got to be open to criticism and accountability. Yep, totally. I mean, there's a, a sense of you know genuine humility, and asking for help a lot of times is not it's not a bad thing. That's you know, right. it's it's, uh, it's it's actually a, a good thing. Knowing what you know and what you don't know uh, is actually helpful. Look, we all know like you know top class Olympic athletes they all have coaches, right? You know, you know people give uh, these examples all the time. Why is that, right? Tiger Woods has a coach. Michael Jordan had a coach, right? So and why is that? Because, and we, guess what? Their coaches weren't as good <laughs> as right. these athletes were. Yeah, that's why a lot of times, you know, and that's why you realize that certain, there's different skill sets for different things, right? You know, and I want to circle back to what you said about sometimes a star employee might say, the owner can do what I do. Well, because the owner's skill set, what it takes to own a business is a whole different skill set, right? So, what it takes to be a great coach is a different skill set. That's why great players a lot of times don't make good coaches because they can't figure out why the person doesn't get it. Like, you know, uh, you know, if it were me, this is what I would do. Why, why can't you do it the same way, right? You know, there's a certain kind of social science nothing to it. There's just this, this systems. There's just different things that, that is involved there. So um, knowing that, you know, if you want to, if you want to uh, go beyond a certain level, then you know that you're going to need some help uh, to get there. And and, and, um, and you know, either it will be forced on you or you yourself will come to realization that, hey, um, this is why, you know, we're kind of stuck. We've hit a plateau and we're not able to go beyond where we want to go. Exactly right. And another great example of that we see in a lot of technology companies that are generally led by a technologist, we see that sales suffers. They're not good at sales and they think it's dirty. You know, I'm going to sell them something. They think of the used car salesperson. I'm going to sell them something they don't need. I'm going to lie. I'm going to be deceitful. But without sales, Nana, the company can't grow. You know, you need to do sales and marketing. It's not, they're not going to come and knock on your door and beg to buy your service or product. You have to turn into a salesperson. You have to do that. Or you have to hire people that are going to do that. But still, as the face of the company, some of those high ticket clients are going to want to meet with the owner to see what kind of company it is. And that's a big shift for some people. Yes, yes, that's totally true. Um, you know, and, I, and I, I've seen that. I saw that even in the corporate world on the other side where I hired uh, vendors and 
and, and I've, I've seen that where the owner comes in as the as the tech expert to ask certain right. questions, and, and and there's the salesperson who's that kind of having that conversation, because it's a different skill set. And then I, I was I talk about introvert and extrovert. The owner may be an introvert, especially the technology folks, right? right. You know, a lot of times they are introverted, and you know, in order for you to sell to people, you have to be gregarious a little bit, right? So. If that's not your personality, you got to find somebody who's naturally fit. And without sales, I mean, there's no business. I mean, you may have, yeah. and the, you know, you talked, I know in the beginning, you talked about how when you advise new um, folks, you know, looking to go into entrepreneurship to identify the market, make sure that they have a, you know, a client base set up or they've defined their, their market and that there's a market for whatever it is that they want to sell. Um, this is this is the same thing, which is that a lot of times you know build it by they will come, um, doesn't necessarily work that way. There's been many innovations um, that has come out, and not all of them have you know, uh, worked well. I mean, right. The the percentage is not very high of, of, of things that have gone on to commercial success is not very high. A lot of a lot of a lot of things don't make it out of the innovation stage. Some of them make it out, but they they kind of fizzle out because they don't scale when it comes to the engineering side of it. Um, so for every Amazon or Google or, or, or Tesla or whatnot, there, there are thousands of other things that are the products or ideas that never made it to commercial success. So uh, being able to have somebody who is um, the extroverted person who can go out there and actually find out what the market thinks. Um, and there's a different way of explaining your product to uh, lay people or people that mm. know the way you think or are not technical. Mm. A lot of times your market is not you. Right. Right. So you need people who can be able to translate what you do into the language of the people um, who are going to buy. And a lot of times you're not the right person because you're talking in jargon and you're not able to kind of break it down into the language and the, and the, the terms that you know, regular people use. And that can be a bit of a, a bit of a holdback in terms of you know kicking the company forward. Yeah, like you said, generally speaking, the technologists, they're, they're brilliant most, most of the time. They're usually introverts. And when they sell, to your point, Nana, they're talking about features. And clients don't want to know features or prospects. They want to know value. There's a big difference. I know you're very proud of your technology and all the features it has, but they want to know the value. And it's a, just a big difference. And you have to be able to make that change. The classic classic example, of course, is Apple. You had Wozniak, was a, still is a brilliant engineer. But Steve Jobs was a pure marketing salesperson, and he got that product and moved it out. It wouldn't have been successful, no, no way. Even though he was fired and rehired, and you know, went back and forth. We all know the story. But still, he was a pure sales marketing person, and he knew what the consumer wanted. It's just a big difference. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but I, you know, I heard the story about how somebody asked Steve, Steve Jobs what he did. <laughs> Because they're like, we have all these technology people around here. What exactly do you do? You don't write code, right? <laughs> and then he's like, "Look, I make I make it happen, right? You know, his, you know, kind of to paraphrase, right? Yeah. Like they make it, I sell it, right? If I don't sell it, there, you know, there, there's no business, so something to that effect, you know. So, uh, so it just that's why you have the team. You have a complementary skill set. We all can play, you know, the same position." Right. Somebody's got to play right back. Somebody or somebody's got to be the running back you know, and, and things like that. So um, yeah. so you have to, you know, you have to definitely have the complementary skill set. So having somebody who's good at selling and articulating the value. Right. Because a lot of times and that's something that, you know, you know we were those of us that have, you know, you know, done technology work and things like that. It takes it takes you take some learning. You have to come to that realization that. It's a whole different way of thinking. It's like, okay, right. because you're in it. You know, you're like, okay, you know, I take this, I take this iPhone. I know I can do it like this. I can do it like that. But you're not really thinking in terms of, okay, what does that change? How does that right. affect my time? How does that, because either you don't think that way or either you just, just kind of things are implicit for you. And, you know, you think people would just, you know, by osmosis, just kind of understand that. Uh, but, you know, once you start really articulating uh, things, because like you said, you know, buyers want to know that the product works. Like they're not trying to learn all about the list of features and things right. like that. Sort, right? How is it going to change my life? 
right? How is it going to make my life better? And so, and so that takes, and a lot of times, as you know, it takes a lot of work. When a marketer, so you have to like brainstorm a lot to find out because you realize that, okay, this particular, you know, so-called change that's going to happen, people don't care about that. Mm. Or people have better ways of achieving that kind of uh, benefit, right? So you may either have to go back to the drawing board or you may have to shelve that particular product or that particular idea because it's not going to be the commercial success that you think it should be. Lowering the walls between, you know, sales and engineering is, you know, perhaps one of the biggest issues a CEO, a president, an entrepreneur must have because, you know, you'll get complaints from both sides. Sales will make the sale and then throw it over the wall. And then engineering will say, wait, we can't do this. Why did they sell this? You know, or the opposite may happen where, you know, sales may say, we want to sell this. Why aren't you making that? So, you know, bringing these, often they're in different buildings or separated from each other, but bringing them together, working together, like these questions like Steve Jobs had, where engineers don't understand what he did, what he does, this is what makes a successful, smooth business, and this comes from the top down. Yeah, exactly. This is where organizational design and development mm. kind of comes into play, right? And this is where when I talk about structure, when everybody's reading from the same playbook, and of course, co-location you know, kind of helps, but we know we're in a geographically distributed world now, and everybody can be in the same room. So to the extent which you can have like virtual co-location, Right, i.e., people are reading from the same book. So having a system where the goals, right, uh, the metrics, the values, right, it just kind of starts to flow down. So um, sales and and manufacturing and technologists are reading from the same book. Okay, this is the business. These are the business goals. These are the business metrics. How does that flow down into what, what I do? So uh, to the extent to which the technology teams and the manufacturers uh, their, their KPS and what they're focused on as a priority aligns with the business goal. And if the sales goals aligns with the business goal, then you you know you think that you know that would you know somehow kind of work. But you still need um, somebody. This is where this is where you know, some companies you know in the um, in the in the two thousands you know this this will BPR and all those things happen where you have like a chief customer officer, somebody who owns the end-to-end -end process. And this sort of thing mm. with Six Sigma also kind of came into play where instead of the functional silos, how about we have somebody who interfaces with the customer. So we learned that Draka said, you know, the, the purpose of a business is to create a customer, right? So if you have somebody who, if you're looking at it, um, you know, and there's been a talk about, you know, system, some people call it a system engineer, although it's not exactly kind of correct words. Then the system engineers be like, no, that's not system engineering. But the whole thing is that uh, they flow from the, the perspective of the customer outside. How does that kind of flow in? So the customer doesn't care that the uh, manufacturer or technology sits here and sales is there. They just are looking for the product as it work or the service as it work. And so all the touch points, right, the intake, right, the, the, um, the fulfillment, the support, all of that then becomes aligned. And so today, you know, either one person owns that relationship, right, and therefore interacts, you know, with all the sales and technology and all those folks, or there needs to be some kind of a matrix. And, and uh, they, this is where team of teams comes into play. The book team of teams, for instance, comes into play, where you have the leaders in these institutions form like uh, a team at the top. Because a lot of times the execs are, for these functional heads that don't act as a team. So if you have like a, a team, of the you know, of the leaders for these institutions that meet on a regular basis, whether it's daily or weekly, then that's where you start to get that alignment. Yeah, well, well said, well said. What's the difference between leadership and management? Leadership is uh, the simplest thing. Is leadership is kind of from the heart, and management is kind of from the head. Oh. Uh, so, so leadership, you know, and so a lot of times, also management is a lot of times in general, it tends to be about position also. Like a lot, a lot of managers, they, they have people reporting to them. Whereas leadership, leadership is kind of, uh, it's, it's a little bit qualitative, um, right? You can be a leader, you know, without having the title of some kind of leader. Um, leadership is essentially being able to mobilize people, inspire them to achieve a, a vision. Management is about 
making sure that things are um, being done either on time, on, on budget, you know, on, on, on time, and you know, on the budget or on budget, you know, um, um, just kind of organizing and coordinating and things of that sort. That's basically what, what our management is about. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that heart and head, but it's true. I've had managers who consider themselves leaders, but they were managers. Yeah, I've yeah, had, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's management is more day to day goals setting. Leadership is bringing the company forward. Is is looking in the future. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And this is why sometimes uh, you can have different styles. So, for instance. Think of um, uh, a lot of times people think of the contrast between Tim Cook and Steve Jobs. Right? Yeah. Steve Steve is more of like you know creative minded and is always looking you know change the world and all these different things. And Tim Cook, you know, is is more of a manager type. Yes, he right? is. I mean, yeah. he's 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 done well. I mean, you know, you know for him to step into Steve uh, uh, Steve Jobs shoes and and uh, you know kind of survive. You know, I mean, he's done well in his own way. But it's just different contrast in styles, right? Um, and um, and you need both, but they just you know they're just not the same. Once you start to kind of mix and match them, that's where you know, sometimes you can run into trouble. Mm. Yeah, we had the same thing at Microsoft, where um, the last guy was an MBA. I can't think of his name all of a sudden, but Nadella Ballmer. now. Steve, Steve Ballmer. Ballmer. Yeah. yeah, he was more of MBA. He was more books, and now. Satya Nadella is more, you know, engineer. Uh, again, different styles. Right. Uh, Wall Street happens to like him a little bit more than the last guy, but still, uh, Wall Street perception is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Wall Street, Wall Street perception and reality is, you know, who know, who knows what's happening there. But you're right, just the different styles. Tim Cook's a bit more MBA-ish. He took a big salary cut recently he's they're laying off and you know it's it's uh you don't need to feel sorry for tim cook i'm not suggesting that i'm just saying he took you know he did take a big salary cut because of the um what's happening now but it's very interesting uh where where these companies go what is the hedgehog effect concept the hedgehog concept i mean the hedgehog concept is essentially the intersection of the different things you do that make you unique. Because a lot of times, if you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing, then you become commoditized and why are you needed? Then you mm. have to keep price. And that's no way for you to be able to grow or survive long-term. So the hedgehog concept, you know, is essentially, if you think of the hedgehog, you know, just, you know, it, it, it has a way of bringing the shelf up and, and protecting itself. So you have this intersection which, you know, you know good to great book and it kind of talks about where the source of your economic engine or um, if you're a business or if you're a nonprofit, the source of your resource engine um, and then you take that and you just say okay what makes you unique what makes you different what is the source of your economic engine and then you bring all of that you know together as you know three concentric circles and then they want the middle part then becomes your hedgehog right mm. so it's about who's on your bus right who's Who's on your team? What exactly do you do and why? All right. So first you need to basically find out, identify who you need to get on your team. It's, it's actually, you know, it's what's interesting. And I know I'm divergent, but I'll come back to when I, because sure. it just kind of triggers an idea in my head, right? Because, because the, you know, good to great talks about, you know, first who, then, then what, right? And then you, you you see Simon Sinek talk about you know you start with why why yeah. <laughs> and then how and then what right and, and who is not even in there so it just becomes okay how do you integrate all of these different kind of ideas uh, and uh, kind of bring them all together but and I, but I guess I would say I guess you know first start with who and then maybe you can you know the who then thinks of the why although a lot of times the why will come from the leader because you know, uh, you know the leader they can be like you know. Uh, a thousand different captains of the ship, um, but but in any case, so so that's basically that's basically what a hedgehog kind of concept is. If you bring it, the sort of economy, what makes you unique, and and then you bring it all together, then you have something that that becomes your value proposition, something that protects you, um, gives you long term you know value. That's where your greatness you know comes in, uh, because then you don't have to worry about what Apple is doing or what the next guy is doing. 
because yours is yours is different. Very true. Very true. So when I started my business back in the nineties, you know, I I worked so much, just like all owners. And before you know it, now I was I didn't play any more soccer. I didn't play any tennis. I just worked all the time, and I I shot up to 340 pounds. I gained all this weight. And the doctor said to me, if you don't lose the weight, you're pre-diabetic, pre-hypertension, you're not going to see your daughter graduate. So that's all I needed to hear. So I took the, you know, I lost a lot of weight. I changed my eating habits. And so people ask me, how did you lose all the weight? Like they want some easy answer. Everybody wants a quick answer. But my my answer is always discipline. I got focused. I got disciplined. That's how I lost the weight. So generally speaking, when I talk to people, I always ask how discipline plays a role in your life. Do you consider yourself disciplined? Somewhat. I mean, I, I am disciplined in some ways. And, uh, you know, some ways, I mean, you know, I have certain ways. And, I, and maybe that's everybody's, you know, certain things where sometimes I can be uh, undisciplined. But for the things that matter, try to be as disciplined as possible. And it all starts with, you know, essentially having uh, certain rituals. Um, you know, um, you know, um, so it's about, so for instance, if, if when I change my diet, for instance, um, uh, wild fit is actually what I did. And you talk about, Hey, you get up. Um, I learned you know, from different kind of people. I learned, you know, Brandon Bashad talks about you get up and then you do the, you know, the movement kind of thing. You drink a water and all of that. Wild fit also talks about, you know, you drink water and then you eat some fruit, right? You know, like for five or 10 minutes after, and then you, you then focus on eating things that have a lot of greens in them and things like that sort. So, you know, so if you're religious, you know, you, you, you have a certain kind of, maybe say a little prayer and then you do some exercise and then, you know, you, you do some family kind of thing and then business kind of comes, comes next and after that. Um, so, you know, some of these things just, just, just kind of comes into play uh and you know through the years i mean they've kind of you know because a lot you know just like you i used to have work just you know run my life and i had to kind of you, know, you just you know because maybe you know when you're a high achiever when you like to achieve a lot you just want to you know, continue to do 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 and you you forget that hey there's people around you that also kind of need you uh and you need to be there for them um so it's so that's been you know, essentially, yeah, in terms of my life, you know, the discipline is, is important. I try to I try to stay away from things that I know are bad for me, even mm -hmm. if I slip and, and do. But I know that, hey, I need to get back to doing you know, eating the right heavy foods and things of that sort. Um, the area where I'm and sometimes I know that's discipline is, for instance, the workout kind of thing. Sometimes I go into spurs where I'm doing a lot of working out. And then I get busy, and then before you know it, okay, I'll do it tomorrow because you get up and you have to go do this and that. There's only so much time in the day, uh, and um, and so you know something's got to give. And a lot of times, you know, working out or exercising just kind of <clears throat> suffers. In my case, um, so so that that is basically where. Um, well, but discipline is, is extremely important to me. It's, it's one of uh, one of my three critical you know, leadership beliefs. I believe that. You know, we all need to understand business, and business is a force for good in society. I believe that, you know, we all need to be catalysts. Um, uh, you know, people, processes, and technology need to be catalysts for improving business. And I also believe that we need to be disciplined in the way we manage our organizations, our departments, and our business, um, you know, in, in a way that, you know, helps, helps us grow, uh, helps the business uh, become uh, reproducible, um, and, 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 and also in general, um, that's just the, the smart way of doing things. Mm. Uh, you know, um, McDonald's you now has been successful this whole while because it has a discipline of doing the way they do it. So, you know, we should learn from the people that have succeeded and the di discipline sometimes is not a, for the free spirit that discipline can be a pain, mm. but you know, once you, once you learn to love you, you find a way to be creative or free spirited within the confines of the discipline, whatever that is, um, then you can have you know, the best of both worlds. And when you work with businesses, you generally work with business, I believe under 10 million or so small businesses. Do you, do you find that discipline is something that you need to stress 
with them? Yeah, well, yeah, be, well, yeah, because a lot of times that's sometimes what 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 kind of holds them back. Because okay, so there's always focus okay cash flow, right? You know, it's, you know, it's all the cash flow and, and and payroll and things of that sort. But then you realize, okay, what's your end game? Because a lot of times you, they don't know what the the end game is, or how much their business is worth, right? So it's just you know changing the thinking of you know from the short term of you know revenues and sales into okay, we have to think about how do we build a a, a scalable business or you know a business that's going to be there for long term. There's certain things that we need to play. We need to have some kind of a roadmap, and we need to have some structures in play that will help us execute over and over and over, right? Because the structures you know, are what's going to help you be disciplined. If you don't have the structures in play, uh, then you may do it, uh, you know, just like I was talking about with my workout. Part of the problem I had, I have is when I used to have a, a personal trainer, guess what? You show up mm. and then they take you through the routines. Mm. But when I stopped having the trainer, I said, okay, I mean, I have, you know, I have my own, I have my P90S box or, or I have my own elliptical out. You just got to go, go jump on it. It's amazing. You know, you see, you look at the thing and it's not happening, right? right. They will go by two days ago before you know it. They, you know, six months has gone by. So, uh, so having those structures in place now become, you know, you know, very important to help you, uh, you know, be disciplined. Yeah, very, very true. And I like how you, you, Talk about rituals with discipline. That's a very unique take. I've never heard that before, but it's true. Kind of developing them. Uh, very, very true. Nanabansu, what motivates you? Making a difference. Uh, you know, number one and number two is uh, is uh, I want to set a good example for my daughter. I have a I have a mm -hmm. daughter who's getting ready to be sixteen in a couple of weeks, oh, uh, maybe in another you. week or so uh, already. Um, so, I mean, you know, just, you know, she inspires me a lot. She's a high achiever, you know, brilliant as hell. Even skipped a grade and, uh, and wow. is, is a musician and all of that. So just wow. wanted to, wanted to um, you know, be all I can be. I feel like um, I want to fulfill whatever God has put me on earth to do. I want to make sure that I pay that back. I don't want to go back to go to the grave what I haven't fulfilled, whatever God put me on earth to do. So God gave all of us a certain gifts, certain potential, and we ought to try and maximize, you know, maximize that. So, um, yeah, so that's that's what motivates me, just seeing um, seeing other people do well uh, because maybe I played a small part in it. Um, and uh, that's, in the end, that's, you know, that's what motivates me. You know, am I making a difference? It sounds real rewarding. Yeah. And there's no price you can put on that. It's it, right. it's intrinsic, right? Mm. Right. And um, so once you have a certain purpose, and purpose can be something that can be difficult to discover. It's a discovery process, and a lot of times you just kind of go through, you know, life. You know, you go through school, and you just you know take some classes and whatnot, and you just kind of almost get sharpened into a certain path without realizing, well, okay, what is my true purpose? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, and that can sometimes, for some people, can take time to discover. But once you discover that, uh, then then you don't really have to be motivated. You, you just kind of following um, that purpose, right? Uh, and um, and then you know you become the best that you can be. Mm. And how do you measure success? Success. I measure success by the um, impact that the person that the impact is made on articulated, right? So mm. it's like communication. Communication is what the other person hears, not what you say. Uh, so I measure success uh, by um, did I help somebody's uh, business grow, um, you know, by a percentage? Did I help make a business owner's life easier? Did I help make a team perform better? Right? Team team performance can sometimes be a challenge. So that is basically, you know, what what I consider to be success. Uh, are we, are we, um, did I leave wherever I was better off than when I went in? If I can do that uh, in a certain measurable way, then I consider that to be a success. Oh, well, well said, Nana. Communication is what is heard, not what is said. That's profound. Yeah. Very much so. 
I, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Uh, so do you still follow soccer? Did you watch a lot of the World I, Cup? I did. I did. I, I, um, I, I followed it somewhat. I wasn't able to like sit there. You know, what's interesting is the last number of years, I'm not able to sit through and watch a 90-minute soccer game. Yeah, I used to be able to, but now it's just like I want to see the highlights. Like right. if I'm watching, it's different if you're watching it live. But if I'm watching sure. on TV, oh, yeah. I want to pause because a lot of times part of it is there's always something that you got to do. You don't have right. 90 minutes, even though right. it's good to be able to take that kind of mental break. So I just like, okay, I will, so I can forward through. It's like, okay, bang, 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 bang. So they get to like the 18-yard box. I'm <laughs> only interested in what's happening in the 18-yard box, right? So... I still follow. I follow the English uh, Premier League a lot. I follow um, Chelsea and Manchester United, and you know just those top teams. What they're doing. I also follow um, La Liga. You know Real Madrid and and, um, and uh, Barcelona. Uh, just their yeah, game. So the top teams. I want to be able to you know like I want to be able to kind of watch because soccer can be very boring. So that's yeah. why I want to watch the top teams play because you get a lot more action, a lot more excitement, a lot more skill. Because it's the art. Because if you're not a soccer fan, you think it's kind of slow or boring. But if you're a fan, you appreciate the art. Right? Somebody dribbling, somebody, somebody, you know, giving a nice pass, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, the orchestration, somebody just kind of pulling the strings, uh, that kind of thing. So that whole is also actually instructive on teamwork, right? Um, you know, and the question is. What motivates? What's the difference between you know somebody who is good at midfield versus somebody who's a defender versus somebody mm. who's an attacker? Right, there's just different wiring that's that's happening, oh, absolutely. and that can be instructive actually in business as well, right? Because as a strategist, you need to be able to play both defense and offense. Yeah. Right. So, what position would that be? Would that be a midfielder? That's a midfielder. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm a city fan. So I, okay. I, I, I watch a lot. I watch a lot of the World Cup. I, I can't say I watch Major League Soccer. You got DC United there in your backyard. Uh, yeah, I actually, um, I haven't really watched them. I, I used to watch them religiously the first three years when they, right. actually they were used to be good. Yes. They, when they used to be Ben Olsen and all those guys, yeah. right? So I used to, but they moved, um, you know, it's so RFK. I even went to watch them at RFK a couple RFK, of times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they moved to a different state where the Redskins are, you know, and um, I haven't, um, I haven't been, they, they got bad for a number of years. And I think that's yeah. what kind of, you know, you know, sucked my interest out. And then uh, I haven't really been, I do, follow, I just usually just go and check the table. Okay, where are they stand? Okay, they're at the bottom. <laughs> right. okay. Not this United that we, you know, we used to know, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wayne Rooney played, and then he coached there for a while. He managed, and then yeah, and now he's he's in England. But uh, I, I love the sport, and you know I'm passionate about it. And there's great analogies to draw running a business, and the we you mentioned strike forwards, midfielders, and defenders, and then there's the goalkeeper, the odd lot, right? And yep. uh, it's a uh, it's a wonderful sport. I, I really, really, really love it, and. Uh, Tomorrow's Saturday, of course. We're recording on Friday. A lot of EPL, a lot of English premiere tomorrow, and it's been a great season so far. We'll we'll see what happens. Nana, thank you so much for your time. How can we get in touch with you? Anybody who's listening? Absolutely. They can check out my LinkedIn. They just go to Nana Bonsuan. Uh, check me out on LinkedIn. I'm also going to have um, that free gift. You know, you can add that to the show notes for you know for people. We talked about discipline, and I feel like you know a standard operating manual. Uh, procedures, Senate operating procedures manual is always a good thing to have. Yeah. So um, you know, I give a link for you know people to uh, to go and download that and um, and uh, yeah, and then you know through that they can get in contact with me. So yeah, check me out on LinkedIn, uh, and on LinkedIn you can have uh, access to me if you want to follow up with me and have any kind of conversations or what we just talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And Nana's N-A-N-A, Bonsu, B-O-N-S-U. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, Nana, thank you so much. You know, my daughter is a Terp. She's at University of Maryland. Uh, Next time I go see her, I'll look you up. We'll have a cup of coffee. Absolutely. My wife also is a Terp. So, uh, so yeah, Ah. we we can talk about the Terpins. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Whenever you're in town, definitely let me know. Let's link up. Sounds good, Nana. You have a great day. You be well. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye, Nana. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com, 
there. You'll find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. There's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? Twenty-five dollars, fifty dollars, hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, thousand dollars, five thousand dollars. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pin's Discipline Conversation.